my name is Ethan Wad. Uh, I'm the pastor here. Uh, Trey uh, is not able to be here this week because he had an incident and is, he needs to rest up. Uh, he's doing very well. He's healing up well. Uh, he was he was bit by a dog this week and had to have surgery, and but he he's doing well. Um, I don't have all the details. I didn't want to prod while he was resting, so he's good. That's all I know, and that's all that matters. <laughs> Um, but if you'd like to join me, I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, verses 23 through 28. Uh, for those of you who come to youth group, you've heard this before multiple times because I love the scripture and well, hopefully you'll get something different from it. It says, And when, we, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? So I got a little bit shorter notice to preach than I normally do. And so I just spent a lot of time praying about Lord, what do you want me to talk about? And he just kind of put on my heart a retrospective of the last 12 months for me, which probably mirror the last 12 months for a lot of you. And when I think, when I think of 2020 and all that's transpired from last March to this March, one word that comes to mind consistently is unrelenting. And unrelenting is a word that can be used in a lot of different contexts, but generally, it means to not yield in strength, severity, or determination. And I think that pretty well sums up the last year. And when I think about unrelenting, I have two, two experiences from my childhood that really come to mind. For those of you who don't know, I spent a large chunk of my childhood living in Florida. And so living in Florida means two things. Beaches, hurricanes. And Disney World. But I remember one time when I was young, I was swimming in a beach, on a beach, uh, on the east coast of Florida, uh, in the ocean. And it was going great. I'm a, I've been a good swimmer my whole life. My dad was a, a world-class swimmer growing up. And so as soon as I could move my legs, he was chucking me in the pool. Uh, but the ocean, for those of you who know, is, is a different beast. And sometimes you can get out there a little too far, and you get a little too tired. And it's a scary feeling. Because you're treading water and you're trying to catch your breath. And as soon as you think you can get one, a wave comes in and smashes you in the face. And then you get another respite. And then another wave comes. And then another. And then another. And it's a terrifying feeling. It's terrifying. The waves are unrelenting. The second is hurricanes. Uh, we went through a lot of them. When I moved to Florida in 2000, my dad had a generator, and our neighbors would come up and say, why do you have a generator? And he would say, well, in Washington it's for earthquakes, and here I guess it's for hurricanes. And they would laugh at him because they hadn't had a hurricane in 20 years. That's not the case anymore. They have a hurricane every 20 seconds. But when we would go through a hurricane, we had this little bathroom underneath the stairs in our house that you can't really see this platform up here, that jets out from the stage, but it's probably like, you know, 
four by eight or something like that. It's, it's not too big. And our bathroom was about this size. And my sister and I would have to sleep in there because it's the heaviest part of the house. You know, I would be, I was seven and she was four and we're literally like sandwiched against each other with like, depending on how we, if we were fighting or not, one of us would have our face up against the toilet and one would have our head out the door. It was, it wasn't a fun situation, but in a hurricane, the power generally goes out really quick. So you don't have music, you don't have the TV, you don't have anything to block out the scary things that are going on outside. You get gusts of winds that are so fast, it's, it's unimaginable. And you sit there thinking, everyone, like, is this the one that's going to bring down my house? Is this the one that's going to drop that tree through our roof? Is this the one that's going to blow our windows in? And you sit there, and as soon as you think the worst is over, you go through the eye of the storm, and then it picks back up. And then you go through it all again. It's terrifying. Grateful, thankfully, we, we never had any, any severe issues like that. But I'll never forget just the sheer silence of everything except for what it sounded like the entirety of nature was screaming through our windows. It's terrifying. It was unrelenting. So this time last year, Leah and I were getting ready to go on a trip. She had planned this awesome vacation with uh, two of my best friends, and we were going to go to Boise, Idaho, and have a weekend where we just hang out, reconnect, and we're just together because it's usually once every three years we get to see each other now. So it was me, Leah, our friend Randy, uh, my, my friend Jason and his wife Nicole, and those two actually go to our church now because I talked them into moving here because of that trip, so that's good. Um, but we were getting ready for this trip, and we went to, to Boise, and it was a great time. We, we spent the weekend together. We rented those little motorized scooters and went all around the town. We played disc golf. We did a puzzle that was brand new out of the box, but somehow was missing a piece. And that should have been my first sign that the year was going to kind of go sideways. But it was a great weekend. It, we laughed harder than we laughed in a, in a long time. We, we reconnected, and it was just wonderful. And uh, as soon as that weekend was over, instead of coming home with Leah, I got on a plane and I flew to Seattle because my dad was having surgery to finish up his treatment for colon cancer. And uh, the surgery went well. He went into remission, and uh, it was a great time of, of joy. While I was there, we went to a Mar- my sister and I went to a Mariners game, and, which being a Mariners fan is sad enough. But... Uh, we usually have like one player to root for. Most of the time it was Felix Hernandez and it was his last game as a Mariner. So, you know, I cried. And then we went to a concert and we just had a fun time with, as, as a family. And uh, I got back on a plane and I, I flew, I was getting ready to get back on a plane to fly back down because we were getting ready for our mission for Mexico trip that was going to be a week later. It was a very busy month. And before we did that, my sister and I went to go see a movie and we went to go see the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, which admittedly is a lot better than I thought it would be. Uh, but that movie is an hour and 40 minutes long. And to this day, my sister and I call it the movie that changed the world. Because normally when I go into a movie, I'll turn my phone off so it doesn't go off and doesn't distract everybody. And I did that this time. And as soon as I got out of the movie, I turned my phone back on and it just would not stop vibrating. I had constant news alerts. I had people texting me, people calling me because the NBA had canceled their season. 
Europe was closing its borders. And we were preparing to shut down as a country. And then you, you know the rest of the story. Church was canceled. Youth group was canceled. School was canceled. Sports was canceled. Life was canceled. I don't have to get into the details because we all went through it. Everything was canceled. It was followed by, by civil unrest and, and hatred spewed from all different walks of life, from people all over. There was anger, frustration, and fear. And it felt unrelenting. But during all of this chaos, I got the best news that I've ever received in my life. Because my wife told me that she was pregnant. And the only thing I've ever known I wanted to be my entire life is a husband and a father. And there she stood before me. Literally every dream I've ever had in my life encapsulated in one person. And it was the best. It was the best day. But any of you who've had kids, you know that especially with your first one, that excitement is followed by a little bit of fear and a little bit of anxiety. And it was nine months of you know, doctor's visits, but I couldn't go to them because visitors weren't allowed in the hospital. Um, what kind of world is my daughter going to be born into? Like, how are, how are things going to change? And it was just, it was terrifying in all of the excitement. Um, one of my favorite comedians is a guy named Jim Gaffigan. And he has, he has five kids, and he tells a joke about, if you want to know what it's like to have five children, just imagine you're drowning, and someone hands you a baby. And I kind of felt that way, like, if you want to know what it's like having a baby in 2020, just imagine you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. It was, it's a lot. There's a lot going on, but you can't do very much. Over the course of the pregnancy, we had a lot of scares. Um, constant doctor's visits. The, the baby was small. She wasn't responding right. Um, my dad then found out that his cancer had metastasized and went into his, his uh, liver. I struggled to cope with ministry in a socially distanced world having to cancel Mission for Mexico, summer camps, everything that I love about my job, I couldn't be around the students that I care for. I lost friends and loved ones to, the, to coronavirus, to COVID-19. I felt like I did when I was struggling to stay afloat, and a wave would come in and just smack me across the face. Or when a hurricane would quiet just long enough for you to take that breath of calm, just before the, the gusts build back up. The last 12 months have been unrelenting. And it was really capped off by the birth of my baby girl, Esther. A birth that really can only be described as traumatic. You see, we went in early to have, uh, for Leah to be induced. Uh, everything was good. It wasn't, wasn't like a scary thing, but she was small and they wanted to get her out early to make sure that everything was, was going well. So we went in and we spent several days in the hospital before they decided they could actually start inducing. And so at midnight on November 21st, they started the process. And everything progressed really quickly. By 6 o'clock, she was getting an epidural. By 10 o'clock, she was pushing. And I was standing there as she was doing this, and everything was going well. It was progressing well. I could see, I could see my daughter's head. And everything was going great until it wasn't. Because with every contraction, Esther's heart rate would go from 140 down to 60. And it would stay there. And it would camp there. 
And then a couple minutes later, it would build itself up. And the doctors around me assured me this is normal, it happens. But after a while, one of the doctors who was helping looked me dead in the face and says, we have to rush your wife in for an emergency C-section, which is the most terrifying thing I've ever heard in my life. And in that moment, I just stood silent and scared as they, they wheeled my wife out of the room. They, tried, they explained to me everything that was going on. I don't remember a word that they said. And then another nurse came in and handed me an N95 mask, you know, the ones that kind of look like duck bills. And then it's like three different hairnets because I needed one for my head and one for my beard. And then a, a pair of scrubs that was just a little too small. And so I, I put those on, and they told me, wait in the hallway outside of the operating room, and we'll come get you when she's ready. And the only way I can describe the visual, at least from my perspective, is it looked like I was a terrible caricature of a duck trying to sneak into medical school. I was standing there, and I did the only thing that I could do. I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And as I did that, I was out there for over 20 minutes, and it's the longest 20 minutes of my life. And with every passing minute, I prayed harder and harder. And then the Lord put this scripture on my heart. And I'll read it again for you. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? I thought about how the disciples would feel in the midst of this massive storm. The unrelenting waves and the certainty of death and peril. The waves were breaching their boat and... The storm was obviously influenced by the enemy because it says Jesus had to rebuke the winds and the waves. And with every passing wave, every bit of water that came over the edge of that boat, they would be thinking to themselves, this is the one that sinks me. This is the one that ends it. While the storm that promised to end their lives was going on, they looked back in the boat and there was Jesus taking a nap. This was, this was not because of a lack of empathy by Christ, but because he invited these men onto this boat, knowing that there would be a storm. Knowing that it would be a great storm. But he also knew, more importantly, that the Father was going to deliver them to the other side. So great was his faith and his assuredness in the Father and in his plan that he had peace enough to sleep in a boat being tossed around on the brink of sinking. Jesus then stands and calls out the disciples for their lack of faith and rebukes the wind and the waves, and they calm. The disciples are then delivered from what they were sure was certain death, and thinking each wave was the one that was going to sink them. And now they marveled at the man before them who was so great and mighty that even the winds and the seas obey him. I stood in the hallway outside of the OR 
thinking about this story. And the Lord put on my heart this like mantra that I would just keep chanting to myself. And it was, I am on the boat. You command the seas. This will not sink me. I chanted this quietly to myself and cried louder and louder and louder than I would like to admit while people passed me actively avoiding eye contact because no one wants to talk to a crying duck. (laughs) Shortly after this, though, they, they led me into the operating room and I sat with my amazing wife as they finished prepping her for surgery and then, then went in to, to bring out our baby girl. And I sat there praying with her and talking with her. And in my mind, I just kept repeating, I am on the boat. You command the seas. This will not sink me. All the while, waiting for that first sign of life, for that cry, that sound, whatever it was. But I never heard it. So I continued to chant. And a nurse soon came up to me and asked me if I wanted to meet my baby girl. I have never stood up faster in my life. I stood up and we started walking over. And then that same nurse who invited me to meet my daughter shot her arm out across me and stopped me. Because we looked over and they they were performing CPR on Esther because she was actually stillborn and needed to be resuscitated. And I remember thinking, if ever there was a wave that was going to sink me, this was it. This was the one that was going to bring me down. And in that moment, I fell to my knees and I prayed and I prayed and I kept saying, I am on the boat. You command the seas. This will not sink me. It felt like an eternity, but in reality, it was a little over 10 seconds. And I was sitting there praying and watching them as they, they tried to pump air into this, this little motionless gray being on this table. And I've never felt more helpless in my life. And then all of a sudden, I hear this like shrill breath, this... <gasps> And she does that thing that that babies do when they get surprised. And she just like shot her arms out into the air. And it was the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I sat there and I kept praying, crying and crying and crying. And I saw the color come into her. I saw her get her pigment. And I I promise you that what I witnessed was God breathing life into my baby girl. They invited me over, and I got to hold her. And I, ugh, if you've had a baby, you know that feeling. It's, it's inexpressible. But if you know it, you know it. Just like, this is it. And I'm holding her, and I get to take her over to, to Leah, who's just drugged out of her mind. But I'm like, like this is, this, you did it. Like, you did it. This is our baby girl. And obviously, with, with a birth like that, we had to go to the NICU. And we went to the NICU, and, and they, they were taking her vitals, and it took all of five minutes for the nurse to look really, like, surprised. She's like, she had the cord wrapped around her neck twice. That's why she couldn't be birthed. Her umbilical cord wasn't uh, attached to the placenta, right? So she wasn't getting the nutrients that she was meant to. But she's perfect. She's five pounds, first percentile, very small. Five pounds, 19 and a half inches long, and she's just perfect. 
I'll never forget that. We had to stay in the NICU for an hour, but all the work took five minutes. So I just got to hold my baby girl. I'll never forget that first breath. I'll never forget just seeing the life enter her body. She's perfect, they said. You see, before Jesus and the disciples got onto that boat, in that very same chapter of Scripture, the disciples witnessed countless miracles. They watched Jesus as he, he cured a leper. They watched him as he healed many who were suffering from fever and other illnesses. He encountered a centurion who came to him and said, Lord, my servant is paralyzed and suffering and is not getting better. But I know if you say the word, I will go home and he will be healed. So Jesus spoke it and he was healed. They had nothing but proof that he cares for those who claim him. If the worship team wants to come on up, that'd be awesome. But they had nothing but proof that Jesus stood for them. Now, as unrelenting as this last year has been for my family and I'm sure your family alike, I now know that there is something that's even more unrelenting. And that is my God. The one who stands before me. The one who mans the boat. Who calls upon the sea and calms the waves. The one whom even the winds fear. So whatever storms you are in, lay them down at the foot of the cross. And he will deal with them as they are meant to be dealt with. He is in control of all things, always. Because if the winds and the sea listen to his voice, then what are our problems to stand in defiance? There may be tough things to come. There may be storms in your future. You may not be sure how you're going to get out of it. But never forget, you are on the boat. He commands the sea, and this will not sink you. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for the blessings that you bestow upon me. My family and I feel so blessed to, to be a part of this congregation, a part of this community, a part of this family and this body, Lord. There's, there's nothing <laughs> that we are more appreciative for than that and, and for our little girl. Lord, there are storms still raging in the, in the lives and in the hearts of people here and, and people that are watching. And Father, I would just pray that you would let them know who it is the winds and the seas answer to. You are greater than, than all things. You stand sovereign. Lord, when you say yes, we will praise you. When you say no, we will praise you. You are good in all things and great always. We love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.